everyone. Welcome back to Buzzing About Romance. I am Becky. And I am Leah. And on this episode of Buzzing About Romance, we are joined by author Allie Hazelwood. Mm-hmm. Um, her book, The Love Hypothesis, took TikTok by storm last fall. And it definitely did. It blew up TikTok. Yeah. So I'm excited for us to chat with her and get to know her a little bit. So, um, Leah, can you read us Allie's bio? <clears throat> Allie Hazelwood is a multi-published author, alas, of peer-reviewed articles about brain science in which no one makes out and the ever after is not always happy. Originally from Italy, she lived in Germany and Japan before moving to the U.S. prior moving to the U.S. to pursue a Ph.D. in neuroscience. She recently became a professor, which absolutely terrifies her. When Allie is not at work, she can be found running, crocheting, eating cake pops, or watching sci-fi movies with her two feline overlords and her her slightly less feline husband. Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Miss Allie. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. We are so excited to talk to you. Like, um, you know, you kind, I feel like, cause I didn't know, I'm not a fan fiction reader. Um, but I feel like you kind of last fall came onto the scene and everybody was just all gobsmacked with your, <laughs> <laughs> with the love hypothesis. And so we're excited to talk to you because this has to be a little surreal for you. Oh, yeah, it's been such a cool year. And I definitely, yeah, I never would have thought so many people would have, you know, liked my little rail of fan fiction with the name (laughs) changed. So I am, I am truly honored. (laughs) It was so fun. And I am a fool for an illustrated cover and your covers are Mm -hmm. adorable. Okay, so that is Lilith. So Lilith Sar is uh, this fan artist that I've been friends with since our fandom days. And she is just the best. Like, I know there are a lot of great, you know, designers and illustrators out there. But Lilith is, uh, I'm sorry for everyone, because Lilith is the best (laughs) in the world. And, uh, and uh, yeah, she is just the the most bestest genius. And uh, um, I I remember, like, she was my favorite um, artist back when we were in fandom. Uh, You know, I would, I would look at her drawings and uh, her art and be like, whoa. And I remember when, uh, when my editor said that, she was gonna do my cover I was like okay well this is like I have arrived I I need nothing (laughs) else ever again (laughs) it's it's like that fangirl moment of yeah yeah Mm -hmm. I know yeah I always it's always been my favorite part of fandom when like so not just uh, when uh, people because what we do in fandom is you know a lot of transformative stuff so we take media that's already out there and we write new stories about it but what I really like is when there is like a collaboration because it really fosters that sense of community within fandom Mm -hmm. and like uh, the like I always love seeing you know artists and writers collaborate Um, and so for me it's really it's a dream come true and like Lilith is just the best like I I just love everything about what she does so I'm her stalker basically (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry Lilith we can totally um, 
<laughs> relate to that. Yeah. Relate, yes, because Becky and I stalk. I she also is into a bunch of fandoms that I'm just not familiar with, and okay. uh, I I still look at her art and I'm like it's still the best thing I've ever seen in my life, even though I don't know these characters and I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I I still love this. So this is my relationship with Lilith. <laughs> I think that, and for me, I've only noticed it in the last couple of years, um, and I'm sure it's more prevalent in fandom than what. But I am loving all of the artwork that is coming out of fandom for romance books. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you know, we've seen Ruby Dixon and all the ice planet barbarian drawings and, you know, now all these love hypothesis, uh, fandom drawings and the morning glory milking farm fandom drawings, like Mm -hmm. all of them. I'm obsessed. And I have to like, I want to join like 7,000 Patreons like a day (laughs) because I see the artwork and I'm like, oh, yes, yeah. And my husband's like, really? Really, sister? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I know. You know what? It's totally like if I ever get rich, I just am going to like invest in a ton of Patreons because uh, they truly bring joy and mm-hmm. these artists deserve all all the money. So literally they I, I totally get it and yeah it, it's really amazing I feel like I also started noticing in the last couple of years that uh usually fun art used to be more for like movies or mm-hmm. stuff that was already visual and then it kind of you know shifted to a lot a lot of um books like I remember when uh there were the first few artists in within my Star Wars fandom who were kind of branching out and they were doing this um all Holly Black's uh the Cruel Princes fan art mm-hmm. and I, which is how I found the book and then read it and loved it you know so um yeah I remember like that slowly felt like people were focusing more and more on books and it was so cool you know yeah well, and I love seeing the authors embrace it too. Like we've seen mm-hmm. Katie Robert embrace it like mm-hmm. and explode it. And, well, and then uh, take it like two steps farther. <laughs> All the well, not suitable for work stuff. <laughs> did you guys see these, the new, uh, I don't remember what it was called, but it was like the monster Kickstarter. And mm-hmm. it was, such oh, a, it was it's Katie Robert. That she's doing with yes. Sierra Simone and stuff. Exactly. And Adriana yes. Herrera, um, uh, who else? And Zoe Castile, I think is part of it. Yeah. Like it's, uh, um, so beautiful and it's so kind of like, it's the very mixed medium, right? Because yeah. Have, uh, the art is just as important as 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 the novels as the writing and it's stunning i was obsessed with it i'm so happy that they're doing this it's amazing <laughs> you're not also monsters also monsters <laughs> um yes okay so i don't know katie robert has a monster romance spreadsheet that she shares with all the monster book wrecks and it's like broken down into like the book the author the type of monster like how she like katie's like opinions on it like if there's trigger content warnings aside from the fact that it's monster romance like it is it's very like detailed it's the best thing ever she mm-hmm. is doing the Lord's work. Yeah, she and is. <laughs> we owe her so much. We as a you community know, owe her so much. She and she also is genuinely one of the nicest, mm-hmm. kindest souls in the world. Like, yeah, 
everyone's like, oh, God, she writes these great stories and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, she's also a really great person. <laughs> like, No, I, I totally agree. My interactions with her, um, I think I was on a couple of panels with her and I've loved meeting her. I was, I fangirled over her and like, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm very awkward and she was so kind to me. Even <laughs> she's though I pretty awkward so too, so I think awkward. you're okay. <laughs> well, she was so nice. <laughs> and you were at Comic-Con, right? Just I was at, actually didn't ago. yeah but I didn't see her she was a comic okay. too right I didn't yeah, just see her there I did a panel like a virtual panel with her and then I was on a panel with her at, uh, in Tucson at the um I want to say Arizona Festival of Books uh, yes. or something it's mm-hmm. called something like that yeah um but yeah no I didn't get to see her at Comic-Con in San Diego and uh, uh it breaks my heart but uh my love for her still burns bright (laughs) one of our contributors was actually at comic-con and she went to your panel and said it was wonderful like she loved it so Mm -hmm. um leah and i we haven't gone anywhere yet but (laughs) (laughs) no i know i i had never been to comic-con before and it was like mind-blowing i was like this is my people this is my scene i I want to live here i like the idea of that but i I don't like people that much. <laughs> it's like big groups of people. Like it's a lot for me. It's just like, yeah, it's crowded. It was very crowded. Yeah. yeah. I didn't say that. I love people. People are fantastic. <laughs> oh, Leah. Um, just, I'm not a big groups. Like I need small. No, I get it. I get it. Yeah. So Ellie, sure. let's get to know you a little bit as an author um now that we've done all our fangirling and (laughs) all the things um let's get to know you as an author a little bit so Mm -hmm. why an author because and we'll read your bio we'll have read your bio in the intro but you actually are a neuroscientist (laughs) like in a phd are you have you graduated your phd program are you still in your phd program no, I finished my PhD actually like five years ago. No, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I finished my PhD a while ago. And uh, um, so I did like, I was a postdoc for a couple of years and then I was a professor and uh, I actually like, it's kind of an emotional day because today I went to my university and I cleaned out my office because I'm taking a year off uh, to concentrate on writing. Mm-hmm. So uh it was very emotional. I was like putting away my stuff and like sorting out my papers because someone else is probably going to take over that office. And I was like, oh, all my feelings, all my neuroscience feelings. <laughs> so so why an author? What inspired you to write? And then we'll get into what like what you yeah. wrote first, but why write right. Um, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, fan fiction. Like I, I, I never thought about writing, uh, before I encountered fan fiction. Um, I mean, I, I used to read a lot, like I would read romance novels and I would read then later fan fiction and I thought it was amazing and I was obsessed with it and I would like, you know, build stories in my head and stuff like that. But I definitely never, um, uh, yeah, I definitely uh, never thought that I would be a writer or I would write or um, that I even knew how to do it, especially for mm-hmm. fiction, um, until fan fiction. So fan fiction was kind of like a very approachable way for me to start writing because I got the opportunity to, you know, with fan fiction, you don't write a like 
or you can, but you don't have to write a 90,000 word novel. You can start, like, I remember the first thing that I ever posted was like a 3,000 word uh, one shot. Mm -hmm. Just like you put it there online and some people read it and they say they, they like it. And it's this really nice kind of cycle of positive feedback and reinforcement where you, um, on the one hand, you are writing and people are telling you, oh, this was interesting. Thank you. And you're like, oh, my God, someone spent time writing something I wrote. This is incredible and amazing. And then on the other hand, you're like, you feel like you're kind of part of a community, you know, you're, you're mm -hmm. meeting other people who have the same uh, interests, um, which is kind of kind of like, you know, the, the romance reading community. Right. And so um, that's that's how I started writing. And, you know, like the whole everything else kind of happened because of that. And like as a weird consequence of me writing these like, you know, 2000 words fan fiction. <laughs> well, and your chosen fandom was Star Wars. So are you a huge Star Wars fan or was that just a fandom you knew Mm -hmm. And it felt comfortable in. So my first fandom was actually Star Trek. Um, okay. And I have always been a huge Star Trek fan. So that was it. I um, I had like a relapse in the Star Trek fandom um, when I saw the when the reboots came out. The like the J.J. Abrams new movies. The Chris uh, Pine as Chris Captain Pine, uh, uh, Zachary Quinto and uh, Zoe Saldana uh, yes. movies. They are amazing. I was obsessed with the idea of Spock and Uhura being together. I was like obsessed. That's how I got into fan fiction to begin with. I was like, <laughs> they were kissing in the elevator and I was like, I, what? <laughs> I need this what? story. <laughs> exactly. I remember like, I was so obsessed. I like went back and looked for the, the comics because the, there was a little bit more in the comics about what had happened before. I looked for all the background stories and I was like, okay, now I'm ready for them to bone. Where is the fan fiction? And I found the fan fiction. <laughs> and that's how I started writing. Um, and then I moved to, I wasn't a lifelong huge fan of star wars i became a fan of star wars uh, uh with the with the the sequel trilogy and especially because uh, uh there was this uh you know in in the there was this couple that i was really intrigued by which was ray and kylo ren mm -hmm. and i was like oh my god i have to write stories about them well, I have to and read adam driver is nothing to sneeze at i mean no no he is not some of us are obsessed with adam driver and i am some of us because <laughs> <laughs> i at least really no i mean he he was truly an awakening for me i was like oh my god i love everything about him he is a tree he's so tall and big and yes. amazing yeah. so yeah I, I literally am shameless in my adoration for him and uh yeah that's okay like every once in a while I'll be scrolling through TikTok and someone will share the picture of him standing by the horse without his shirt on and I'll be like yes thank and you just pause you pause on that thank you Happy I day. I truly cannot cannot overstate how momentous it was when that spot came out like <laughs> All of us, like uh, fangirls, like Adam Driver slash Star Wars fangirls, we were having a collective heart attack. Like it was, just, it was such a day for all of us. <laughs> we were like, oh my god.
god, it's he, he's a horse. What is happening? Look at him. He, he looked like at his best. And we had known that he was filming that, that he had filmed that for like years because we had seen kind of like behind the scene footage, but we didn't know what it was gonna be for, when it was gonna come out, and then it came out and we died, and we're still dead thinking about it. I love that. I love that though. I mean, I don't know. I so my family, like my husband and my children, are fans of like sci-fi and Star mm-hmm. Wars. And my son will go on and on about canon and it can't happen that yeah. way because of canon and legit the Phantom Menace, which is the first in the Star Wars, yeah. like the prequel, um, it came out two days before my wedding so it was may 20th 2009 or, or 1999 1999 sorry oh wow and, so party like it's 1999 because we partied like it was 1999 <laughs> legit these people were like we can't do anything else until we go see this movie like no wedding no rehearsal dinner no nothing amazing So, like, I get, like, this excitement towards Mm -hmm. a fandom. Although I will say, I've never been inspired to write a story, but as I read Love Hypothesis, I was like, oh, I never thought about it like this. What if people did live in a different world and were these people? And... Yeah. yeah, I mean, the concept of an alternate universe, when I started seeking fan fiction, I was actually mostly interested in reading like canon verse fan fiction. So mm-hmm. I wanted to see, you know, Spock being a, a Vulcan in space uh, and Ohura being uh, is like, you know, the uh, the communication officer of the Enterprise. And I wanted to see them interact in those settings. And then fan fiction is kind of like, I don't want to say it, it's addictive and it's very like you, you start with one and then you read another and then you start reading stuff that is incredibly far-fetched and you still love it and so that's kind of how you know alternate universe stuff came about for example the love hypothesis was really just like you know what if kylo ren and ray were a professor and a student which said to someone who doesn't have that context uh, said to someone who doesn't know about you know fan fiction and fandom I think mm-hmm. must sound like kind of unhinged, like, wait, what? what? Why would you even wonder that? But in a fandom context, it's like, oh yeah, what if? It's like, literally in a fandom context, you would be like, oh, what if Kylo Ren was a rock and Ray was a lizard? Like a totally <laughs> normal, a totally normal question to, to ask yourself and to wonder and to explore in uh, uh, 45,000 piece of writing like that's totally normal in normal in fandom that's who we are as people so that's so fun I love it I am enthralled with the concept um you know it's so funny so many authors romance authors in particular have come Mm -hmm. out of fandom and some Mm -hmm. of my most favorite authors have come out of fandom and I love that there's kind of this and it's it's not like a prereq or like a baby step kind of thing but it kind of is you can put your stories out a little Mm -hmm. by a little a serial type situation and figure out your writing style and your process to create your stories and I have to imagine that that helps you now as you're going into writing full-length novels like 
I mean, does it, does, did it help yeah. create kind of your writing process and how you approach a new story? I mean, totally. Um, it's definitely true that fan fiction, I mean, yes. First of all, like just, I, I had no idea how to write before fan fiction. Like I didn't even know, I didn't even know that I could write. I, I cannot, I literally cannot overstayed how little I thought that I could write fiction. It, it was just something that I had never done. I had always been more of like a, I want to say STEM data oriented person. Like I always mm -hmm. identify it as something like that. So I never thought, oh, one day I will write a story. And like, yeah, like you said, fan fiction is just such a, I want to say a low stakes kind of ground to practice this these writing skills and you know something that for me made it a little bit easier to approach fan fiction as opposed to other types of writing was that the characters were already there and the people were already the readers were already invested in the characters so I didn't have to go and create a universe and characters I could just kind of mm -hmm. flex these those writing muscles you know and um that made it easier for me um and definitely you know I I definitely feel like uh I learned a lot in terms of what my process is, what what I like, I I know what I want to write. Also, kind of, you know, I I figured out there are things that I don't really enjoy writing very much. For example, I anything that is like not highly romantic, I'm not very interested in. That's something that I figured out. Um, and uh, definitely, like for me, fan fiction really like everything that I know about writing fan fiction has taught me and then of course uh, um, in the last couple of years uh, I had to start transitioning to writing books and uh, mm -hmm. you know I'm, I'm honestly still figuring figuring it out um, it's hard I don't know what I'm doing I'm gonna be honest uh, um, there is a lot of like trial and error I I feel like read. a lot of authors feel that way for a really long time, though. Like even yeah. some authors that are really well established, I yeah, still are like, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen here. Yeah, I, I, I hope, I hope that, yeah, <laughs> same. Like I, I hope that it's normal and that it's kind of mm -hmm. like you know growing pains, and that at some point I will feel more comfortable. But I really do struggle with my writing. I had like a weird. <laughs> I was very like last month I had a moment of like a sheer depression and I was like maybe I should hire a ghost writer <laughs> they would be better than I am and then I was like wait what am I talking about why would I hire a ghost writer can't I just go and be a neuroscientist then if I don't write my books it was such a weird thought of like of despair of I can't do anything but I it's, think imposter syndrome and the narrative yeah. in our brains is very real you know Leah and I we're we're podcasters. We both work in publishing on the backside of books. Neither one of mm -hmm. us, we always tell people, we will fix your words, but we are not writing stories. Like, <laughs> that is what we do. Um, but I think that it's very real. And I think that that shows what kind of person you are, that you're kind of questioning, is this where I'm supposed to be? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And I like to look at writing in books as almost like, living organisms. You mm -hmm. have to tend it. You have to feed into it. It has to give back to you also. And there's going to be a moment mm -hmm. where you're both at a standstill, like, 
damn it, give me what I need. Yeah. <laughs> and your manuscript's looking at you saying, damn it, give me what I need. <laughs> but yeah. I think that that shows the growth of you as a human too, because it shows that you have those moments of like, okay, wait, I'm going to check. What am I doing? Mm -hmm. And I think that that shows genuinely one, what a great person you are because you see your humanity and you're also I, not. I hope I mean, so. I, 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 this is like, this is how, what I want to think of it, <laughs> of me having these moments of, oh my God, what am I doing as a, so I, I love this, honestly, I love this I interpretation mean, of it. We've, we have talked to authors who have been doing this for like 10, 15 years and 20 they years. still feel. Yeah, but they still feel that imposter syndrome every once in a while. It's like, am I really like in the right place? And it's like, you've you've done you've done pretty good for yourself. Like, I think you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But it's one of those things I don't think it ever truly goes away because, mm -hmm. like Becky said, like it is showing your humanity. It's showing the fact that like you're not sure like if this is what people really want. Mm -hmm it's a, it's such a vulnerable thing and like mm -hmm. it's it's not like only only you can do I think and what I am trying to do more and more is just to like kind of set you know internal goals for myself like am I happy with this story did I have mm -hmm. fun writing it do I think it came out as I wanted it to be because you know it's it's so hard to just um use anything else you know and publishing is so fickle and uh, you know you could have written one book and been done you could have ridden that high and been like, look, I did it. I've arrived. I'm going back to my lab. I'll see y'all later. You <laughs> totally could have done that. But you said, no, wait, I'm up for this challenge. I'm going to write another book. And I have other books I want to write and stories mm -hmm. I need to get out. So I think that shows perseverance. I think that shows amazing courage. So you should embrace that. I, I be like, Thank you. I, <laughs> I am here. I am here and I'm not done. This is still my time. Because that is, you know, that, that is something that I tell myself a lot. Like if this doesn't work out, you know, I am going to go back and like do other things. And uh, um, so that that is like kind of a weirdly reassuring thing that like I don't, mm -hmm. you know, if, if just to get to the point where, you know, everyone hates my writing and they're throwing tomatoes at me, I can just like. I think you're okay. You can fall back on <laughs> I that something else. Exactly. <laughs> I did study for for the right. Well, There's and that. like I I am in my mid forties. My child informed me the couple weeks ago that I'm closer to sixty than I am to thirty anymore. Oh my god! How very nice of her. How right? dare? Very nice. Um, but <laughs> I was so I was forty two before I figured out what I wanted to be when I grew up and found my calling and found my job. So, you know, as long as you as a person are willing to go with the changes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the great things about being a creative, which is also one of the hardest things about being a creative is that you have to grow and you have to go. And sometimes, you know, those roadblocks are painful at times. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, uh, um, it's constantly questioning yourself and mm -hmm. uh, wondering whether like you, like you said, like you literally faked your way through yeah. a bunch of things and just like, I don't know, you're like, have I, have I swindled my agent, editor, <laughs> uh, publisher, readers, friends, husband, cats? Like, am I just... Uh, uh, 
or, 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 or I can do this. It's a constant question. Of, uh, but you already did something that was incredibly challenging. So your stories um, all have this very thick, heavy science STEM-based background. So in the Love Hypothesis, she is a neuroscientist also, right? Yes. And uh, then, no, she's a biologist, I think. In the she's a biologist mm -hmm. in the Love Hypothesis. But in Love on the Brain, she's a neuroscientist. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you have a PhD in a very male-dominated field of study. And you conquered that. And you graduated mm -hmm. and you've worked in it. So you know what's funny is that like one of the things that happened in the last few months when I started, you know, making the decision of trying to like take some time off uh, my, you know, my professor job and uh, um, started writing. Uh, it, it was funny because I kept telling my husband, oh, my God, what if I am like, uh, what if I'm, I'm not meant to be? To, to writing to do that thing and uh, he was like you literally say the same thing about the neuroscience job <laughs> like, you, you you said the same thing up until the other day so basically what happened was that I took all the insecurities from like my science job and I put them on the writing job now <laughs> You are you, on brand. You've been doing that science job for a, a while now. So and yet, clearly, like you've been doing a good job. Yeah, and yet <laughs> they don't just yeah. give those doctorates to people and be like, "Hey, what?" It's not like Oprah. You, you There's kind not of one have for to everyone. Own you get a doctorate. doctorate for you. You, you get, get that. Job. right? Like <laughs> seriously, sister, you already That's did something incredibly hard. Like. <laughs> I know. I think, you know, I think it's just imposter syndrome. Like you said, it's sure. so common and we all constantly feel like we kind of, I don't know, we don't really belong where we are. I think it's such a common feeling that we all struggle with. It's yeah. So, and it's, and I know part of it's because you know it, but do you have other reasons for putting your characters in STEM positions in your books? Do you, What's the inspiration to do that? Is it just to show voice to a group that's not always represented? Or is it just that you have a love of science and you need people to love science too? I mean, it's it's a lot of different things mixed together. I think for me, a big part of it is just that um, I really, really, uh, I, you know, it, it, it's kind of, when I started writing, I started writing because uh, um, you know, it, it, it was, it was a hobby for me. It was kind of like this thing that I did at night when I was uh, trying to blow off steam and trying to like relax. And what I was doing at the time was taking all these characters that I knew and loved from other media. And I was putting them into academic context because those were the, the settings that I was constantly living in and that I didn't really know how to deal with. And there were like a ton of terrible things going on uh, maybe in in my department but I could you know take Spock and make him go through all of these things and that was gonna be fun and it was gonna be very cathartic for me and so that's kind of how I ended up doing all of that perfect fiction and then I, I kind of keep on doing it right now so part of it is just that it's my lived experience and I want to talk about my lived, lived experience and I want to like kind of uh, you know, just 
also make fun of it a little bit and and make it sound more fun than it actually is in real life in a way um part of it yeah is that I, I really do want to uplift you know other women in science and whenever some someone reads the book and comes to me and is like oh my god that part really spoke to me because it's similar to something that I have gone through or that I have experienced it's so incredibly uh just satisfying and um and I'm so grateful for people who come to me and tell me those things so it it was I think it's a mix of uh a little bit wanting to give a presentation, a little bit just, you know, taking what I know, like you said, a little bit just taking what I have experienced and, and wanted to put into words. So okay. when you're writing your books, like what is your process? Are you a pantser? Are you a planner? Do you not have a process at all and just kind of throw the words on the page um I have I usually have an idea of where I want to start or where what the premise is and the of what the main conflict is going to be mm-hmm. um I used to be more of a, a panther but um for publishing you kind of have to become a little bit of a plotter because uh, your editor is going to want to have uh, uh an idea of what you're what you're writing Mm -hmm. so you have to start plotting a little bit and like just generally I found that as opposed to fan fiction with books I needed to have a little bit more structure um personally so I would say that I am a little bit of a planter wait (laughs) panty liner panty liner that's Adriana Herrera told me about this uh this term and I love it a panty liner so the idea is that I do pants but there has to be an outline otherwise yeah direction exactly so so you had the success in the fandom and then you made the decision to take the full-length novel and query it out there and find an agent and then find a publisher and what inspired you to do that was it just that you were like yeah this is a whim I want to try or you know were people reaching out to you and saying hey we've heard this stuff about you what's so how did that go for you because first of all that has to be incredibly intimidating and scary to start trying to sell your book yeah yeah so I actually I'm gonna be honest I got really lucky in the sense that my agent was reading fan fiction and my agent found my fan fiction and I had written at the end of my fan fiction something like uh if you like this pick make sure you download it and you have it for your personal records because one day I might decide to pull it and try to rework it into a novel that was you know head over feet which was what later became the love hypothesis and I got really lucky because my agent Taole uh she read the fan fiction and she contacted me and she was like you know if you if you're serious about this uh, I would love to work on this with you I think there is a lot of potential in the fan fiction I think the, I think you might be able to um to be a good traditionally published romance uh, if we rework it. So I got really, really lucky in the sense that I didn't really have to go through the querying process. The querying mm-hmm. process is when you're looking for an agent. Um, I honestly, I've had friends who went through it and found agents, but like the process of 
you know, putting together queries and getting rejections and getting, you know, feedback and having to send fulls and stuff like that, it sounds so exhausting and just like demoralizing that I have the utmost respect for my friends, honestly, who went through them, yeah. went through it. And I, knowing myself uh, as, as I know myself, I feel like I probably would have not gone very far during querying. Um, I, I got really lucky, like I said. So I had an agent, basically. Uh, my agent found me. And then uh, during the process, th then we reworked the, the fic together so that it was a book. And I was on sub for like nine months. It was a long time. I got a lot of rejections and it was very depressing um and that's why I'm like I was so depressed and I already had an agent like I don't know if I would have been able to query to just agents. like query yeah. without having had because just having my agent Tao like just knowing that she believes in me was so important even uh, during all those rejections I was like okay brother he's this one person who really believes in me and that is that is just mm -hmm. it was the one thing that I kept thinking of in yeah. those months but uh if I hadn't had her I don't know I feel like it would have been very hard for me did you ever contemplate the indie publishing route or did you always feel like it was going to be easier for you and who you are to go that traditional route we're uh, always curious about the yeah. you know because it's a choice and sometimes it's it's a hard choice to make because you know when you go to traditional publishing you kind of lose a little bit of control over mm -hmm. things Totally. I mean, especially because of the type of things that I enjoy to write and because of the like the stuff that I would write in fan fiction was very high, high heat. Um, and uh, some of it was I don't want to say problematic because that's not the right word, but like stuff like, you know, I, I love the megaverse, for example, that doesn't really have a place in traditional publishing but mm -hmm. it has in uh, yeah. um in uh, um in in uh, indie so i think i always kind of thought that if i ever ever published i would publish in i've published indie like i i didn't even really know the difference between the two but i always thought about self publishing in the back of my head but i always knew how hard it looked like the whole you know you have to get ads you have to get someone to edit your book you have to really be on top of things and uh personality wise because of who i am i don't think i'm very good at being on top of things but content wise, in, in terms of the things that I would really like to write, I do think that I am made for indie. So I have a, this weird like split things where on the one hand, I am very drawn to it. And on the other, I'm like, uh, I literally cannot keep up with like, you know, I don't know, but, finishing but the milk that is in my fridge. I am never going to be able to like uh, build Facebook ads. Like, it's just never going to happen. But don't say never. You don't know where your <laughs> career is going to go because it totally. might be traditional now. And then yeah. maybe in five years, you're like, you know what? I'm ready to do totally. me. And I'm going to learn and, this. And, you're incredibly smart. So we know you can do it. Right. And, and maybe uh, by that time, uh, as I as I move forward in my career, I will have like a better understanding of publishing as yeah. well, and it will seem less unsurmountable. Like right now, I have to be honest, I don't fully understand the concept of trends and and things like that yet. But I, you know, I feel like experience might help with that as well. Yeah, it does. It 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 will. You will learn so much. First of all, we obviously know that you're smart because you have a 
ADHD. Okay, but can I be honest? You would be like, I don't, I really, like a lot of people think, uh, oh, if you have a PhD, you must be smart. But as someone who has been in academia for a long time, (laughs) I think that the only requirement is like, uh, I don't know, you have to be a little bit masochistic. Like you're to be in neuroscience. Like but you still, have a PhD like, in neuroscience. Listen, yeah, there's a lot but... of math. <laughs> there's a lot of everything there. <laughs> no, but believe me, it's you would be surprised. I like I don't think people in neuroscience are smarter than in publishing or than in English or anything no, like that. No, I think it's different. You know, like as yeah. a fine arts maybe you don't i was an i was an art major like i focused in painting that was my focus i painted i painted canvases oh my god pictures that that sounds amazing though like it sounds very beautiful and and like fulfilling you know just not not all the time (laughs) it's very stressful when you Um, had to sit in a room and they're like what makes you happy or who likes this painting and why and what do you not like about it and they sit there and they tear it apart oh god i worked really hard at that (laughs) this is like you know how when you're an author they tell you don't go on goodreads and reviews and stuff like that don't do it Right. And I, I don't because, you know, I've done it in the past and then like, you know, you only do it once, then you don't, you don't make that mistake twice. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But I, this is basically like, uh, um, that's, that's kind of like what happens when you workshop your writing in MFA programs and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like basically it's like being obligated like you have to go on goodreads and read your reviews because that's Uh how you the the idea is that that's how you improve your craft or whatever and i'm like i would die like my heart is so fragile i would never be able to take it Tuesdays were always the worst god i'm not kidding the day like when i went through like for love on the brain because i you know i just like to see what other people are thinking and how i lined up for me and seriously someone said oh there's too much science i'm like it's like but in but in the blurb it talks about how it's like stem related i'm not even a blurb reader but i instantly knew like it's ali hazelwood there's gonna be science like yeah you know i uh, i'm gonna be honest i haven't read reviews for love on the brain because i couldn't take it and i um, i just i'm already so anxious about it that i just cannot and uh so i I, really i really like the heroine in love on the brain like oh, i thank you love her she is quirky she is awkward thank but you she is determined she's our kind of people she <laughs> is i think that one of the things like in the love hypothesis the heroine was really on a journey of self-discovery like mm-hmm. it was her like well yes there are her romantic elements and her attraction and there is a relationship there it was also more about her finding home mm-hmm. And her place and her position. And I actually tell people, someone said, you know, like, what do you think about the book? And I said, I think it's one of those great reads that falls on the line between women's genre fiction and romance. It is not heavy. You know, it's not all just romantic relationships and Mm -hmm. sex. It is really like this female empowerment, this journey of you know, mm-hmm. finding your place in your space and where you belong. And I feel like the heroine that we get on Love on the Brain, she's much more established. She has a mm-hmm. lot more confidence. Yes. And I Definitely. liked that. Like I yeah. felt a connection to her 
Um, and again, I have to remember that like I'm reading characters that could be my children. Because <laughs> I'm that I much mean, older. So. Well, I guess they couldn't be my children, but they feel like they could be they feel like they are my children. Mm -hmm. Sure they are. <laughs> but totally. No, I, I totally agree with you. I really want to be be as in the the character the main character in love on the brain yeah. to be uh like a little bit older i think uh, uh she knows she, she knows what she wants um she she has issues uh, in terms of like you know relationships and stuff like that but she's definitely like more assertive and more determined than uh than olive uh, in the love hypothesis uh, um i yeah i i definitely envision them as like uh, slightly a slightly different points in their lives uh, um and with different needs do you so when you're writing your heroines do you find them challenging as far as like cuz i have to imagine there's a little bit of you in each one of them mm -hmm. there's a little bit of the, you know who you are as a person but do you find it like making those twists and making them uniquely theirs is that challenging for you or are you one that has like a very clear picture of who this person is in your brain and you just write them? I think I don't have a very clear picture and it definitely is challenging for me to like, um, and, 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 you know, it's something, it's a muscle that I am still practicing because, you know, coming from fan fiction and I, I never had to like build characters that were very different mm -hmm. because the characters were there for me. So it's definitely something I am trying to learn um, and and I struggle with. Um, so, you know, I try to give them slightly different interests and I try to, you know, give them different insecurities and different backstories. But I am kind of afraid that like in the end, they all kind of default to my voice as a person you know what I'm saying so it's it's definitely like a constant you know checking and double checking and having my editor does this make sense is it out of character does it make does it jive with the rest uh it's it's definitely a work in process in progress for me uh the whole like you know finding a voice that suits the main car the character yeah <laughs> I think characters are hard. So, I mean, characters I, are so hard because <laughs> you have to make sure that you're creating a character that the reader's going to connect with and be yeah. invested with and stick around till the end. Yeah, <laughs> I, totally. It's so hard to find, like to, to build something. I, I mean, I really struggle. Uh, will they like, is it going to find, will they find this person relatable? Will they find this person annoying? Will they say that? I don't know. It's, it's, it's so hard to like, build a character who is flawed and at the same time who is flawed who is flawed in a way that people can get on board with mm -hmm. i think um i am definitely struggling with that um and uh you but know trying in to in that same vein though becky and i both have read books by authors that we really enjoy and there's always like there's has been one or two characters like in their books that we just don't love them and even by mm -hmm. the end of the book we really don't love them but like the when story... they make appearances in other books i'm still grumbling about how i didn't like them in that book. But, but it's still an author i go back to but and it's read still everything. an author she yeah. goes back to and like the story yeah. itself just she's we don't always love the characters but as long as the story is strong yeah because, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. There, there are people we come across in our everyday lives where they might be pleasant people but i don't really mm -hmm. care for them and that's <laughs> totally. okay because that is life and so like you might totally. not love every character but the, the story itself is really strong totally i'm okay with that and that is such a good point really like to me what i really want when i write a book what i really like my 
kind of my litmus test of have, have I succeeded or not is did the person want to read until the end? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm sure that there are people out there who like are hate reading my book. I mean, I, I'm not like, I don't know, but maybe someone is out there doing it. But like, even then, if you, if I have written something that has made you want to read until the end, mm-hmm. I, I'm happy in a way, because I feel like I've, you know, for me, reading is such a, it, it, I, I see reading as such a big part of my entertainment life. You know, I just want mm-hmm. to be entertained when I read a book. So yeah. that's really, so, so that makes sense. Maybe sometimes, you know, you don't like the characters, but you're still entertained by the story and you want still to- Still have to know what happens end. in the end. Exactly. Well, and then you know. have to know, like, am I going to like them by the end of this book? <laughs> am I still going to not? Yeah, totally, okay. totally. So Love on the Brain releases 823 and this mm-hmm. it's but it's not really a series, right? Like we're not it's an all new standalone book. Yeah. But it is your se- well, it's your second book, but you've had three novellas. Oh yeah, the novellas, yeah. The novellas. <laughs> um so I guess maybe it's really your Did you forget about your own book. novellas so permanent? <laughs> I honestly the novellas don't feel like they count. Like I, I totally feel like this is my second. They totally book. count. Yeah. They no, count. no, it's true. I just whoa, whoa. I just punched my don't computer. Count. <laughs> no, they do no, really. I do. I just forget, you know, I just, I, I, I guess I'm not, I wasn't as anxious for the novellas as I was for, for, as I am for the second book. I, I, I've decided to concentrate my anxiety on the second book. That's fair. That, that is, is fair. fair. Um, so what is one thing that you hope people take away from reading Love on the Brain? Like, don't spoil it or anything, but mm-hmm. either what's one thing you hope people will give it a chance so that they experience something, or is there something you really hope they get out of that story? I mean, this is kind of going back to what I was saying before, but I just hope that, a like, I don't know, maybe they're having a bad day, maybe they're bored, and they pick it up, and they spend like a couple of hours that are either entertaining or they're having fun or they're feeling something. I really just hope that uh, reading the book makes their day better than it was before. That's that's kind of what I what I hope. And you know, it's of course a love story, so I hope they will feel uplifted and hopeful. But really, I I just yeah um, I the thing that I like best is when people tell me, um, you know, like at signings or stuff like that, I picked up this book when I was having a tough day or when I was in a, in a bad moment. And, uh, um, it really, you know, took my mind off of all these things. And, uh, um, and then at the end I was better after, after I finished it. So that's, that's really all I want. That's what I hope that people will get out of it. Just a little bit of an improvement in their mood, uh, uh, from the beginning to the end. Well, I can recommend Love on the Brain. It's a it's a great story. Um, I am excited to see to see what happens with it. You know, it was so bonkers the way Love Hypothesis went all crazy. Um, and I hope that this is just as crazy because there's a lot of power in this story too. This one in particular, I think, has more power just because the heroine is she's pretty fierce. I I really. I liked her. <laughs> Thank you so much. I hope people will like her. I definitely love B. She is my uh, beautiful child. So, 
Um, Allie, thank you so much for joining us uh, for this episode of the podcast. We truly appreciate you giving us your time. Oh, thank you for having me. And we are excited to see what is next after Love on the Brain releases 823. That was a really great interview. I am so excited. She was a delightful human being. And I am so excited that we got to talk to her. And I just, she was so nice. She was. I'm excited for everyone to read Love on the Brain. We may just have to claim friend status now also. Yeah. I think so. I think so. She's quirky, which is our people. So, mm-hmm. okay. So before we get into all our normal outro stuff, I need to take a minute because stuff happened last week and we need to take a minute and talk about it. Review etiquette. Cause oh. we've only done like 16 <clears throat> different talks on reviews. And we all know Becky gets a little saucy about review etiquette. I do. So this week I do we too, went, but you take it to another. You take it to an eleven. I, I do. That's because I'm a fifteen. Well, who doesn't funny. like to tag authors in reviews, which makes me like a sixty-five. <coughs> oh my god! Do not choke. Um, Don't okay. say stuff like that when I'm taking a drink. Oh my god! So this week we saw an author once again mention to please not tag them in low star ratings and reviews. Um, that they have feelings and this, this hurts them when this happens. I want to add the step that do not tag authors in other people's reviews. Uh, There's a reason that that person who put the review on Bookstagram, TikTok, or whatnot did not tag the author. On the podcast and on Bookcase and Coffee, we do not tag authors in our reviews, five star or one star. We give reviews for you, the reader. Our reviews are going to be very honest and straightforward, and we often read books that just do not meet our standards, and we sideline them and come up with another title to give time on the podcast. We do this because we have limited episodes and want to give space to the time to those books we love and want you to read. So just remember, people, review those books, and it's okay to not like a book. But, but don't, don't tag authors. Dick. Don't be a dick. Just a friendly reminder. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't tag authors. I mean, don't tag authors. Anyway, <laughs> apparently I said tag authors. Do not tag authors. Do not be an asshole. Um, okay, Leah, it's, it's that, that time. time for book, book of, of the, the week. week. Okay, Leah. what's your book of the week? No, I went first last week. It's your turn. What, what's your book of the week? Um, I read Deserving Alaska by Susan Stoker. It is book one in her refuge series, brand new series. It is a place that is focused on PTSD and the, the recovery aspect of PTSD. All of the, the guys that work at the refuge have PTSD and go through the steps to, of recovery for that. And they're all still dealing with it. But it's, it's an interesting story because it's just, there's really this focus on how damaged people come back from the service at like, not that everybody does and not that everybody had, there's different levels of it, but it just put shines a light on a, 
part of life that people don't always talk about and kind of avoid, but she does it in such a careful and thoughtful way. And it's just, it's a really good story. It's friends to lovers, but it's a friends to lovers that works really well. Um, But it's, it's a great series starter. And I just, I'm really excited for the rest of the series. Okay. How about you? So my book of the week is Crying Shame by Rebel Shaw. This is the second book under this author name, which is actually two very well-known authors, uh, Kaylee Ryan and Lacey Black, mm-hmm. right? Who, who also co-write together under their author names, but this one is a pen name duo writing. Right. So this book is a sibling's best friend, single mom, close proximity romance. It is so good. It is so, so, so good. It's Addison sitting on is- my Kindle. Addison is temporarily left without a place for her and her son to stay. Um, Her son's name is Noah. And so her apartment has been flooded from the apartment above. And there was, it's not the first time it's ever happened, I guess, that water has flooded down into her. And basically the ceiling collapses and she is left without a place to stay. And Graham, her brother's best friend, offers to let them stay with him. Um... I think what's so great about this story was the evolution of going from casual friends to trusting each other. Uh, the care that both Addie and Graham took in exploring their relationship and how that would affect Noah, because he already had a connection to Graham as being his uncle's best friend. So, mm-hmm. and there was also this really sweet other sub storyline of Graham and Noah kind of falling in love with each other too. Like I love that. So like it, he's very present in the book. He's he like is very the present, like blend of like relationship and kid. Yep. But also like the struggles that if you have a child and you even as a married couple, we've have it. Like as mm-hmm. a child balancing that time together, and when you can have those intimacies and those moments, and then also the ear open for when the child's going to need you. So um it just was really great. I really loved it. And Addison's brother does not get crazy when he finds out that they're dating. He's like, yeah, we well, all kind of saw it. Because you get real like been out of shape. I get just been out. Well, be- anyway, we've talked about this before. I will not repeat that. But this book releases August <laughs> just- 30th. And this is absolutely one you should be pre-ordering and having on your Kindle. So I highly recommend. I was a statement. <laughs> anyway. Wait, did you know it is week 13? of the summer reading challenge. So we have two weeks left to enter all the books that you have read from May 25th until September 1st. And we still have four more prize packs up for grabs and the grand prize giveaway is also left. So any book that you have not, that you have read from May 25th until September 1st, enter it on the website and it will count as a entry for the prize. And there's some yes. really good prizes left. So many and great I'm prizes. super jealous. And the grand prize, hot damn, is it good? Yeah. So sponsoring <laughs> authors for week 13 are Nancy Wynn and SJ Tilly. Um, and we only have one live event this week on the 24th. I will be, and probably you, because it's Nancy and we want to talk to her. We'll mm-hmm. be on Instagram Live 930 on the 24th. And we're going to talk to her about her book and when we can expect the next book. Mm-hmm. from and her 9 30 eastern standard time 
Yes. If you needed to know that, because we know you, there's people in all sorts of like all the places and it will stay on Instagram. You can go back later and rewatch it the next day. If you are in like Denmark and don't want to get up at 3am in the morning to watch us uh, on Instagram. But why wouldn't they want to get up at 3.30 in the morning and watch us? On a, on a Wednesday when they have to work on Thursday. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, So Patreon update. We are so grateful for all of our Patreon supporters. We have Tara and Karen, Jen, Ellen, and Natalie that make our community amazing. Best Mm -hmm. romance book loving community ever. Um, So did you know we have a Queen Bee tier that includes Coffee of the Month Club? And every six months, you get an exclusive buzzing about romance coffee mug. And actually, you got July's coffee... Yeah, July's coffee of the month. And it was pecan cinnamon roll. It was pecan sticky bun. Pecan sticky bun. Thoughts? And it is delicious and delightful. It comes from a small batch, like roaster that is by where Becky lives. And it is amazing coffee. It is whole bean. So like you have to grind it yourself. Which well, is we will of- send it grind. We will. If they don't have a grinder, I will send it to them ground. Oh. But you won't send it to me, ground. You didn't ask for me to send it to you, ground. You said whole bean was fine. It is fine. But anyway, it is really, really, really good coffee. It's delicious and delightful. So it you is. are missing out. And if you follow our Instagram, you saw a sneak peek of the six month mug. The six month mug. Yeah. It's adorable. Um, We recently updated our Patreon perks. We've added a monthly swag pack for the top three tiers. And we also are going to bring you all new exclusive Buzzing After Dark episodes. And Duchess Katie and I will be back with another round monthly. And we are also in September are adding another or in September, we are adding author roundtable discussions. And this is an exclusive for the cold brew and queen bee tier. This will be a small group chance for you to talk with some of your favorite authors of romance and find out about them as really, really awesome ones already lined up for you. Like I am super excited. Yeah. And some of them are authors we haven't talked to on episodes, so it'll be kind of new experiences too. There, Mm -hmm. which is fun, which is fun. Um, You can join the community while helping to support the podcast by joining us over on Patreon. We'd really like to hit our goal of 40 Patreons by the end of the year. You can find details at patreon.com slash bookcase and coffee. So Drunk Book Club, the September Drunk Book Club is going to feature community favorite author Sawyer Bennett. Um, we are going to be reading Codename Hacker. It is part of the Jameson Force Security Series. Um, Sawyer will be hanging out with us, so we are super excited for that. Lisa, however, will be camping, so she cannot hang out with us, and we are very disappointed in the fact that she can't hang out with us, but Sawyer will be there, so I guess one out of two ain't bad. It's going to be so great, and I love Codename Hacker. It is my favorite, although no, Kellen. Codename Omega is pretty stinking good but if you like a really strong heroine that is fierce and fire and and a total mama bear yeah you absolutely are going to want to read codename hacker and join us for this book club because bb she's bb is something else 
She is. Okay. Leah, what are we talking about next time? Next up, we are going to be joined by Fat Girls and Fiction creator, Mary Warren. And we are going to be talking about fat rep in romance. Yeah. So. I'm super excited about this. And it's she's going to be a really with interesting all the discussion. She's going to yeah. come with all the book recs because yeah. of course. So get those TBRs ready, people. That's right, sisters. <laughs> um, okay, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Until next time. Happy reading, everybody. Find us on Instagram at buzzingaboutromance or on Twitter at buzzingromance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes.